Good evening, guys. Before I tell you who I am, I just want to say, can, I just, can we just get a round of applause for Josiah? That was beautiful. I think uh, for those of us that come here every Sunday, it's just we kind of like some, I feel like we sometimes take him for granted because it's just so like flawless and effortless uh, that he does what he just did right there. So uh, I'm super grateful for him. Um, my name is Zach, and I just want to welcome everybody here to Regeneration. Um, you guys just take a minute and just look around and just, like, I feel like sometimes everybody just kind of gets stuck looking at the front. Just take a look. Take a minute and just look around at everybody. It's so awesome to see everybody here. Just kind of see some faces you haven't seen. So um, I just love being here with all you guys. And um, just wanted to make you guys feel really welcome and really comfortable here. But for now, let's just uh, take a look at this video. It was that silent night when the stars turned their gaze to marvel at the earth. When the heavens gathered breathless round a lowly stable. When a young mother wept tears of worship, falling on the baby in her arms. And the song of the earth arose in Bethlehem. Soft as the tender beating of his heart. And all was calm. All was bright. Yet could this be the same God of Abraham, the conqueror of Israel? This baby, this fragile life. Is this child the one who burned his name in rapture across the gasping skies? Whose voice spoke the oceans into crashing rhythms? who crafted the mountains into guardians of the firmament, whose hand ignited the thirst of the deserts and the warring surge of the elemental hosts, who breathed life from dust, broke the oppressor's rule, scattered the chains of his people like sand, and led them through the wilderness with a pillar of flame. Is this child the one whose presence billowed thunderous on Sinai's peak, who surrounded Job with the roaring wind, stood defiant in the raging furnace, wrote judgment against tyrants, and blazed on the lips of the prophets, scorching history's pages with the fury of his might. Could this be the same God who chose to come as the vulnerable king, setting his throne on straw and manger, drawing forth the tears of shepherds, Receiving the gifts of wandering travelers, his fame unknown in this world. He is Jesus, the one who thunders through the heavens, yet whispers to our hearts. Who reigns victorious, yet bows to serve the broken. He is God in the fury. God in the silence. He holds this mystery balanced in his hands, holds our questions till they lose their need. 
until all we see is him. Well, Merry Christmas to you all. We are so glad to have you with us tonight. Um, we're so thankful uh, just for the opportunity to be together and to be uh, starting off our Christmas week together. Um, here at Regen, we are passionate about interrupting people's lives with the love and grace of Jesus. And so our hope and prayer is tonight that you would find yourself interrupted by um, his love and grace as we sing, as we're just together, and as we spend um, this evening just starting off our Christmas week celebrating the one who came um, for us. And so if it is your first time with us, um, we would love for you to get a gift on your way out. There are also some cards back there that say hey on them. And if you are interested in staying in touch with us, we would love to start a relationship with you. So we'd invite you to fill that card out and you'll get our weekly email, which just kind of lets you know what's going on here at Regen um, from week to week. And then also, if you are a social media user, so Facebook and that, those things, um, if you want to use um, a hashtag to check in tonight on your Facebook, and if you use the hashtag RegenGives, that will generate a donation to a couple named Andrea and Sheila who are church planning in Sicily, Italy. And so we just want to come alongside them, so every check-in just generates a donation to them as well. So at this time, I'd like to invite the Bacher clan up to do our Advent reading. And by clan, I do mean a clan. It's like a whole row is going to start moving up here. If Christmas is the time when we celebrate the birth of Christ, Advent is the time we enter into so that we can celebrate that birth more fully. If Christmas is the birth, then Advent is the pregnancy. (laughs) Mary waited nine long months before meeting Jesus, who was both her son and her savior. Before that, Mary's ancestors in Israel had waited for thousands of years for their Savior and Messiah to be born. During that time, that long pregnancy, God was growing them in faith and trust. During Advent, we ask, what is God trying to grow in us? Um, What virtue is he developing in our hearts and souls? As we light the fourth candle on the Advent wreath, we light the candle that represents love. Ultimately, our prayer is that God would birth in us more love for himself, for our friends and family, and for a world that so desperately needs the light of Christ. Paul wrote to the Galatians, Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. All year round, God is working by his grace to make us look more and more like Jesus in ordinary ways. This year, may we be sensitive to his leading and open to his molding. Would everyone please bow their heads and pray with us. Loving Father, we ask that you would give us eyes to see what it is you are forming in us, and that you would give us the courage to respond in faith to that forming. We pray that you would give us a love for you, a love for our neighbors, and a love for our world that would. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat. I'm going to invite um, the Bannings up to help us with this next song.
I want to have a baby. A little boy, you will call him Jesus. Wait, God is sending a baby to save the world? But it's too wonderful, Mary said. How can it be true? Is anything too wonderful for God, Gabriel said? So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see.
like a spotlight shining on him, lighting up in the darkness, showing people the way to him. You see, God was like a new dad. He couldn't keep the good news to himself. He'd been waiting for all those long years for this moment. Now he wanted to tell everyone. It's true, Father. It's true. Uh, These stories of kingdoms and crowns that we've loved from childhood, they're true because they point to a deeper, truer story about you and your love for us as shown to us in a king who was born in a manger. And tonight we want to give you our attention and invite you into this place uh, so that we might see you in the midst of the season and know you either deeper or for the first time, that we might catch a glimpse of your love and your grace and affection for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're doing something new tonight and kind of moving around here, so give us a hot second. My name's Kyle, and uh, I get to be a pastor here. One of you, it, where's Randy? I'm going to use your stand, okay? Uh, super polished here. Um, so a few weeks ago, it feels like a second ago, but a few weeks ago, I joined with all of the men of America and climbed a thousand flights of basement steps to bring the 3,000 totes of Christmas stuff up to the main floor so that we could decorate. Men, where are you? Okay, some of the ladies did it too, and I hope you were wearing your Fitbits. I wasn't. Uh, I, as you can tell by looking at me, I don't really own a Fitbit. Um, To be fair to my wife, I love Christmas more than most people, so about half of the decorations are something that I encouraged her to buy. Uh, And uh, so we get these totes up, and she's decorating inside, and I go outside to get some of the lights on the house and put them on the bushes, and to my horror, I open the box, and the lights are just in this giant tangled ball, just like Clark Griswold in Christmas Vacation. And uh, I have no idea where the lights start, I have no idea where the lights end, They're wrapped around this garland that we're supposed to hang, and I can't make heads or tails of this. And and I bring this up because what happened to my Christmas lights is often what happens to us when we go through life. Our lives get tangled up in the things that we walk through. It gets tangled up in grief. It gets tangled up in anxiety, a hurting relationship. These things get tangled up. And, and, and sometimes it's these things that we don't want to be tangled up in. Sometimes they are things that we want to be tangled up in, like money or success. But when we get super honest with ourselves at 3.30 in the morning, the things that we've gotten tangled up in, we're, they're more than just tangled up inside of us. They're something that's taken over, aren't they? And if you follow Jesus, we call this phenomenon that's very, very common, we call it Jesus and We love Jesus, we're super into what he can do for us and what he gives us, peace and freedom and forgiveness, but but there are these other things that we look to in addition to Jesus so that we can get a sense of control, that we can get a sense of peace, that we can get a sense of comfort. Jesus' desire tonight and every Christmas and every day is to disentangle us from our ands. If you're a follower of Jesus, his desire for us is to disentangle you from your ands. Now, if you don't follow Jesus, I can't imagine why you're here tonight except that you have a drug problem. And by that, I mean somebody drug you here. (laughs) 
Um, I saw the look in your eyes as some of you were handed candles. You received it begrudgingly. Uh, and, and that's okay. I'm, we're really, really glad you're here. Uh, maybe, there's some, maybe you don't have a drug problem. Maybe you do have some curiosity or some openness. But you've seen Christians, you know them, and you've very quickly figured out that in the Crayola 64 pack, Christians are not the brightest crayon in the box. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you something really quick. Uh, Jesus really has this thing for skeptics and cynics and doubters. In fact, I think he finds skeptics and doubters more compelling than good old little ladies at church because they're more honest and more compelling. Uh, And so I want you to know, however you come here tonight, you're here. Uh, And now you are mine for the next 25 minutes. (laughs) No, you are here. And you might technically be mine for about the next 25 minutes, but we've sung the songs. We're going to sing some more. We're going to light the candles. Um, right now, I mean, there, is, there are firemen across the country in an open sweat at the thought of Christmas Eve. You know what I mean? Like 100, in some, 100 candles. And some lady in front of you has got a lot of hairspray in, doesn't she? And just, you know. <laughs> I want you to know that I'm glad to be with you. And so is Jesus. He wants to get through to us. He wants to disentangle us from our ands. He wants to disentangle us from our skepticism and our doubt, our religious obligation, our pride, our vanity, our accomplishments, and our brokenness so that we can see him and him only. And and this is what he wants us to see. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. He created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light, by the way. He was simply a witness to tell about the light, the one who is the true light who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came in to the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that results from God. So the word became flesh and made his home among us, and he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another, for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. These words come to us by way of a guy named John, one of Jesus' closest friends. Jesus spent three, three and a half years in public ministry, and in that whole time, the crowds and the miracles, he spent a significant amount of time with 12 people. Of those 12, he spent an even more significant amount of time with three, and of those three, he spent a lot of time with one, his friend John, the disciple whom Jesus Loved. There are four gospels or biographies of Jesus in the Bible. Two of them are written by Matthew and Luke, and they record Jesus' birth. In fact, the Banning Kids, good job guys, just read that story 
for us. Mark dives just right into Jesus as an adult, but John does something unique. John, this disciple whom Jesus loved, offers us in John chapter 1 a prequel of sorts. Um, Are there any Star Wars fans here tonight? Okay, well, the rest of you can go home now. Thank you. Um, Wow. Uh, I'm feeling super nerdy right now. So let me explain something to you. In 1977, George Lucas released a movie called Star Wars, A New Hope, and over the next few years released two more, a trilogy, which if you look closely, are numbered four, five, and six. Then in 1999, I was in like fourth or fifth grade doing cartwheels through my elementary school because George Lucas released Star Wars Episode One. The Phantom Menace, and through the early 2000s, continued to release more of these prequel movies, three of them, um, all of which are very, very bad. Um, (laughs) Because of characters, for example, like Jar Jar Binks, um, the most regrettable Star Wars character in the Star Wars universe. Um, The reason I bring this up is that what John is doing in John 1 is kind of like Star Wars The Phantom Menace for these other gospel narratives. It's a prequel, it's a backstory that fills in the details of what's happening of these stories that we're familiar with at Christmas of wise men and shepherds and angels. And what does John want us to know? John, the best friend of Jesus, sits down to write a biography about his best friend and everything we would, he would want us to know is gonna come out in those first few lines. And the thing that John has to say to us tonight is this, that only Jesus is the unique one. Only Jesus is the unique one. Right there at the end, John says, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God, who is near to the Father's heart, he has revealed God to us. In a world of Jesus and, in a world of Jesus and my success, Jesus and my money, Jesus and my desires, Jesus and my comfort, and in a world of and Jesus, because some of you are here tonight like, I'm trying to have Christmas and Jesus keeps interrupting it. In a world of Jesus and, and in a world of and Jesus, John, his best friend, wants to disentangle the Christmas lights of our heart to see, help us see tonight a life called Jesus only. Because only Jesus is the unique one. And John, in this text, says a number of things that are unique about Jesus. He's, he's, he's building a chicken coop in a tornado, if, as it were. And when you're building a chicken coop in a tornado, you kind of just grab whatever you find and you nail it down. That's why John sounds exactly like I sounded when I came home from watching Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, episode one. Came home to my parents telling them all of these names and places and people that they didn't know and probably didn't care about, but I've worked that out with a counselor now, so I'm fine. John's using all of these words, so let's grab three things, three things that John wants us to know that make Jesus unique, and the first thing that John wants us to know is that only Jesus lights up the darkness. Only Jesus lights up this darkness. The the world is a dark place sometimes. Open the newspaper, grab your phone, first thing in the morning, you shouldn't do that, it's bad for your brain, and you're going to hear some bad news, and it doesn't matter what your political views are, it doesn't matter who you wish the president was or wasn't, it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or a little, the world can be a super dark place. In 2016 and 2017, my wife and I had three miscarriages to cap off a three-year journey, which is now a five-year journey of 
infertility, and now we're expecting our first child, a boy, sometime in January. He's welcome to come anytime after 8.30 p.m. tomorrow night, which is my last service of the weekend. Pastor Rick Oaks is here. He's really great with that plan, too, because he's my backup. Uh, So he's already, you know, we're good already. So as we've been going through this Christmas season, I, I, I finally realized a couple days ago that it's felt weird, Christmas has felt weird, because I've, I've gotten used to being sad at Christmas. And so when you're not sad, it's hard to figure out, uh, it, 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 it's hard to figure out how to be something different. It's hard to feel how to be something otherwise. This time of year, it's hard to think about, it's hard not to think about the darkness in our own lives. It's hard not to think of that when people send us happy, glossy, smiling pictures in the mail every day for a month and a half. Uh, some people in my family don't get them out till mid-January, so it kind of just stretches it. Um, it's hard not to think of that friendship or, or family relationship that's strained or It's hard not to think about the miscarriage or the divorce or the betrayal or the anxiety or the depression, and there's this darkness, and it's in our world, it's systemic, it's at the fringes, and sometimes just right in the center of our lives, and John says, Jesus is the one who lights up our darkness. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The light shines in the darkness, John says, and the darkness can never extinguish it. At Christmas, John invites us to find our way toward a light that shines in our darkness. And the darkness, try as it might, work as hard as it can, cannot overcome the light. In fact, quite the opposite, Jesus, the light of the world, overcomes the darkness. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, Jesus overcomes the darkness. But how does he do that? He enters it. Jesus overcomes the darkness by entering it. He lights up our darkness and overcomes it by stepping into it. Dorothy Sayers writes, The incarnation means for us that for whatever reason God chose to let us fall, to suffer, to be subject to sorrows and death, He has nonetheless had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. He can exact nothing from us that man, he can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He himself has gone through the whole of human experience from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. He was born in poverty and suffering infinite pain all for us thought it well worth his while. Jesus was born in poverty. He suffered innocent pain, but, and, and, and he has experienced everything that we experience, but he thought it well worth his while. And he steps into that pain, into the whole of human experience, and he lights up the darkness. He doesn't just draw near. He comes to be with us. And with is so much better than near. John goes on to say, only Jesus in that darkness comes to find us. Only Jesus lights up the darkness, and only Jesus comes to find us in that darkness. There's this darkness in our world, there's this darkness in our lives, there is this darkness out there that occasionally creeps in and sneaks in and yanks us into it, but there is a darker, deeper, darker darkness. There are corners of our heart that are darker still, that we have become very good at hiding or ignoring or pretending that aren't th- they aren't there. Now, if you're me, if you're me, people get a glimpse of your inner darkness anytime that you've gone an hour or two without eating. 
We call it in my house hangry, okay? Everything that I do successfully, I do because I've done it on a full stomach. And again, the results are here. Um, but people on my staff know, my, my wife knows, our son will very, very quickly find out that my response when I am hungry and my response when I am full, I'm two very different people, uh, which is why I have a, a sign in my office reminding me to eat. It says hangry, right? Are you hangry? I guess I'm, you're starting to make me feel self-conscious. Okay, so anyway, um, whatever triggers it, hanger, shame, whatever, whatever triggers it, we have these triggers, shame, anxiety, anger. The shadow side comes roaring out, and we remember that the darkness isn't just out there, it's in here too. We carry with us wounds and trauma and shame and grief that we just cannot get over. We are bound by sin. We are bound by the things that have been done to us and, in fact, yes, the things that we have done to other people. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Our world is a dark place, but Jesus comes from heaven to find us because he doesn't want heaven without us. Jesus, the light of the world, steps into the darkness and draws near to and wants to be with even the darkest parts of our hearts and our souls and lives. And so John writes, the word became flesh and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. Eugene Peterson has a translation of the Bible called The Message, which if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, that's a great place to start. Eugene Peterson translates it this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Generous inside and out, true from start to finish. This Jesus moves into the neighborhood. He doesn't skirt around our darkness. He doesn't take the better streets around our darkness, even if it takes him a little longer to get there. No, Jesus cuts right to the very center of it and sees our darkness and moves towards it. He goes right to the center of us. He sees the darkness inside of us and he goes for the Jesus steps into the darkness and makes himself entirely vulnerable in every way that we are vulnerable because Jesus enters the darkness and overcomes the darkness by taking all of the darkness on himself. This Christmas sermon just shifted into Easter for a hot minute. This Jesus, found in a manger by shepherds, grows up to be a man to, who will later be abandoned on a cross. And as Jesus hangs there, all of the darkness in the world, all of the darkness out there and all of the darkness in me sees its chance and it rushed to the cross and bore down its full weight on Jesus hung on a cross and as it did, it crushed him to death. And John would later write, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life for us. Another author of scripture says, since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, by taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. See, as Jesus hung there and all the darkness and wickedness and demonic and sinful rushes upon him to crush him, it crushes Jesus to death, yet by taking death into himself, death dies. See, on Good Friday, death bit off more than it could chew. Death bit off more than it could chew. It found itself swallowed up in victory. It found itself eaten 
Jesus emerges from a grave and lays the broken, beaten body of death in his grave. So Paul says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, if we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory, overwhelming victory. We live in Northeast Ohio and we have come to accept victories of one point or one touchdown. Frankly, we've come to accept no victories at all. We're not used to overwhelming victory. And in doing all of this, in lighting up our darkness, in coming to find us, in dying and rising again for us, only Jesus shows us what God is really like. Only Jesus shows us what God is really like. A.W. Tozer says that the most important thing about any person is what comes to mind when they think about God. The most important thing about any person is what comes to mind when we think about God. If what we think about God is the most important thing about us, we ought to pay attention to that. And for most of us, when we think about God, something other than what God is like comes to mind. We think that God is mad or that God is the cause for our suffering, that God is disinterested in our lives, that God is helpless in the face of evil. And yet Jesus comes from heaven to reveal to us something entirely different. John says, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. See, what makes Jesus unique is his unique position. Jesus isn't playing telephone with who God is or what God is like. He is an eyewitness to the very character of God because not only is he himself God, he is near to his Father's heart. And instead of anger or wrath or impotence, we find unfailing love and faithfulness. A A New Testament translation of an Old Testament word called hesed, the loyal, steadfast, unfailing love and faithfulness with God. It's a word that we don't have one English word for because it's a word too complex because it is a word that lives at the very heart of God. Hesed is the sound of God's heartbeat in the universe. Hesed is the sound of a baby crying who was born of a virgin. Hesed is the sound of a man crying crying out, abandoned by his friends. Hesed is the silence of a man in victory walking forth from an empty tomb. And so if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus casting out demons and healing the blind and raising the dead. Looking at, look at Jesus taking on systems of injustice and oppression head on, flipping tables and calling hypocrites, hypocrites and politicians liars. Look at Jesus sharing a meal with notorious sinners and taking water from an exiled, single, disgusting woman to her culture. Look at Jesus investing himself and entrusting his work to 12 people who are so likely to fail we wouldn't be surprised if they did it. Look at Jesus trusting himself to one person who absolutely betrayed him to death and another person who denied him. Look at Jesus giving authority and power to failures and outcasts. Look at Jesus saying to cynics and doubters, look at my hands. Put your hand in my side. Look at Jesus 
born in the squalor and poverty of a stable. Look at Jesus, crucified like a common criminal. Look at Jesus, risen, alive, reigning, now and forevermore. Look at Jesus tonight and hear his invitation. Only Jesus reveals what God is really like. Only Jesus comes to find us. Only Jesus lights up the darkness. Only Jesus does these things because Jesus only is the unique one. Jesus only is near to the Father's heart. And in a world of Jesus and, in a world where we nibble around the edges of Jesus, where we keep Jesus at bay, where we keep Jesus distant with our money and our power and our accomplishments and our hobbies and our stuff, Jesus, full of unfailing love and faithfulness, rips apart the heavens and comes to find us and begs and pleads and calls so that we would lay aside lesser loves to forsake all of our lives, all of our Jesus ands for a life of Jesus only because my friends hear me, Jesus only can bear the weight of a human soul. Jesus only can bear the weight of a human soul. Jesus only can bear the weight of a human soul racked by grief, overwhelmed by depression, drowning in anxiety. Only Jesus can bear the weight of a human soul with endless doubts and endless skepticism. Only Jesus can bear the weight of a human soul in a way that our money and our possessions and our comfort and our sexuality, in the way that, 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 that our houses and our cars, in the way that our jobs, in the way that all of our families, only Jesus can bear the weight of a human soul. And so the invitation of Jesus tonight is this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, tonight, Jesus... Jesus only, the unique one who can alone bear the weight of a human soul, comes to, sit, comes to you and to me and says, get away with me and you're going to recover your life that you've given away to all of these lesser things. Get away with me and I will show you how to take a real rest. So two things on this. I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus tonight. But what you're saying yes to is in this language of walking with him and working with him. It is saying yes to being like Jesus, being with Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. It is a life of practicing those three things over and over and over again. We have a heartbeat as a community to do two things to talk to people that are far away from Jesus about what it looks like to become his apprentices and to talk to lifelong Christians who have spent their whole life in a church thinking that they're walking the way of Jesus to lovingly poke them in the eye and let them know that they're not. And so uh, January 6th, we're kicking off a winter-long series called Practicing the Way, Practicing the Way of Jesus. 
how do we accept not only in this moment, but over our lifetime, the invitation of Jesus to be with him, be like him, and do what he does? How do we wrap lives around the words and works and ways of Jesus? That's at the core of this. January 6, 11.15 a.m., we'll be here. But for tonight, for tonight, Jesus has a gift for you. You won't find it under a tree or wrapped in a package. It is rest for your souls. It is the unforced rhythms of grace, which the ands could never give you and never will. Would you pray with me? Friends, if you uh, are interested in responding to Jesus tonight, uh, there's really no magic formula. Uh, Jesus is looking for people who just say yes. Um, when, he, when Mary was approached with this idea of you're going to have a baby, all she said was yes, and that's all that God needed, all God has ever needed were yeses from us. And some of you have said yes to Jesus before, um, and I want to let you know that Jesus is really good at 50th chances. Jesus, we bring ourselves to you and we say yes. Um, we say yes um, over and against our ands. And we bring ourselves to you to rest in you because only you can bear the weight of our soul. And so, uh, Lord Jesus, would you come and break through our darkness? Would you come and find us and reveal to us what God is really like so that we might learn the unforced rhythms of grace, that we might, that we might walk with you and work with you and recover our life? Love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that we love to do as a community, and we're going to do both of those tonight, is respond to Jesus. So his apprentices live a lifestyle of hearing what God says and then responding. And so we're going to sing some true things about God tonight uh, and about Jesus in the season. And then we're going to come to his table. So would you stand if you're able and join us in singing this song? Jesus is the bread of life who invites to his table the hungry and the dissatisfied, saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat this as often as you do in remembrance of me. Jesus is the living water who says, come, take and drink. This is the new covenant written in my blood, which is poured out for you and for many in forgiveness of sins. He said, in the powerful name of Jesus, my friends, it is my pleasure and my honor to invite you to this table. Um, and here's how this goes. If you have a pulse, you are welcome here. If you do not have a pulse, we have significant problems. If you have a pulse, if you are breathing, this is not my table. This is not our church's table. This is, the church, this is the table of the Lord Jesus who gave himself and gives himself for us, the unique one. It's a unique table. And so the way that we receive communion is you'll come forward, we'll rip off a piece of bread, you dip it in the cup, and we say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, somebody is going to drop their bread in the cup because you dip it in there like a nacho, okay? If you drop it, don't go fishing. We'll help you out, okay? Okay. Um, I need uh, Pastor Mary Kate Browning 
who wasn't a pastor last time she was really with us, but is now, so that's a whole story that we want to celebrate. Uh, Zachary Byler. Um, yeah, and Stephanie Tennant, you're the cutest one here. Okay. One pro tip is come down these aisles and find your way back these outside aisles, okay? And uh, that'll work, hopefully. You're going to get intimate with some people. Deal with it. It's Christmas. So, Father, we pray that you would pour out your spirit on these gifts of bread and cup, that they might become for us the body and blood of Christ, that in the eating and drinking of them, we might be reminded of your goodness and your uniqueness in our lives, of your unfailing love and grace toward us. We pray this. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. The table is open. Our team will take your candles and put them in a basket on your way out. We have uh, Nova Donuts. We have hot cocoa and want to see your face. But until then, we love you. See you next time. Merry Christmas.